You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? Here we are, Vox and Hops, episode number 15. Uh, had a great week. Uh, we're in the new year. I'm getting the podcasts up and running. This is going to be the second interview of seven, which I conducted on the Hell Over Europe 2 tour. I recently posted my top 10 albums of 2018. Uh, this is always a very hard thing to do to um, get a list down to 10 albums out of all of the albums that I listened to uh, throughout the year. So I, I broke it down to the albums that I listened to the most. So I posted them in alphabetical order, and here they are. Uh, number one, I got Aborted, Terror Vision. Now, why I included Aborted is, um, you know, I just toured with them in Europe, and I listened to the album a lot before going to Europe, and uh, the songs are catchy, technical, but they all have something special about them. They are interesting. They have good riffs, uh, yet being melodic and dark, and uh, the vocals are on point, as always, with Zven. So uh, that's why I included uh, Aborted television number two uh if i had put it uh, you know in a top 10 by the one that i like the most this would probably be number one ancestors suspended in reflections i've spoken about this on other podcasts i absolutely love this album it's a post-rock meets pink floyd nothing original nothing new but it's something just absolutely organic and special about this record if you like post-metal post-rock i strongly suggest it number three super not original because it's on everyone's list uh, carpenter brute leather teeth i don't know why i got on that train the whole synth wave metal train i you know really dove into carpenter brute this year there's something fun about it it's uplifting it's uh, still somewhat metal in its own way i I just I just like it so you know that deal with it number four also super not original ghost prequel 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 should be prequel I uh, just really like ghost uh, the the vocals are amazing I like I'm liking this new uh, poppy version, hence enjoying the synth wave. Uh, there's something uh, about Ghost. I've never, I've saw, seen them live a long time ago. I feel like uh, it'd be time to see them live again to see the whole stage production. I'm sure that it's really something special, and uh, it's on my list of things to do. Number five, the French band Hangman's Chair. Uh, the album's called Banlieue Triste. I really, really, really like this uh, this band. I got into them last year. Something special about them. They remind me of like a stoner doomy or alice in chains the vocals are great uh, the songs are long and post metalish at moments yet being super melodic and um, doomy all all together i really like it i strongly suggest it for people that have fans of that number six my friends my boys and rivers of nile where owls know my name there is uh, something special about this record i told them all when i saw them when they came through montreal they, they've really turned a page they are not just a tech death band anymore. They can play with, you know, Between the Buried and Me. They can move on to Open for Devin Townsend. And uh, I'm really proud of them. Uh, it's an excellent, excellent album with lots of interesting textures. Uh, the clean vocals are awesome. The The sax is interesting. It took me a while to get used to, but I'm a fan of it now. Number seven, one of my favorite bands, but our new record, The Ocean. I love The Ocean. Uh, Fanner Rozoic One Paleozoic album. I was looking forward to it. I was not disappointed. Often when I'm looking forward to uh, new albums, I listen to them and then I'm utterly disappointed. This time I wasn't. Uh, the Ocean is a, a fun post-metal band right up my alley. 
uh, lots of uh, excellent clean, clean vocals, uh, big hooks, uh, parts that I'm looking forward to uh, coming in once I hear the lead-in riff. Uh, it's just it's just a great, great record. Probably number two, if I were to put it in uh, order of appreciation versus alphabetical. Number eight was a surprise album. I didn't know it was going to come out this year. I was uh, taken aback when I did see it come out, and it came out in two parts, which I didn't know was going to happen. Uh, my favorite of the two is part two, and that is This Will Destroy You, New Others Part 2. I love, love post-rock, and I love This Will Destroy You. They were one of the first bands that really got me into post-rock, Mogwai and Them, and Cigarros. So uh, this new record just hit home with me. There's something special about it. It's a melodic. Uh, I like listening to it when I'm out walking and uh, just taking in the fresh air of Canada, which is really cold right now. Number nine uh, is a new band. I did not know who they were until this year, and I discovered them late in the year. Uh, I discovered it through the Ocean's Pelagic Records. Uh, if you guys don't know it, check it out and you like post-metal and post-rock. Uh, it's a Chinese band called Wang Wen and the album's name is Invisible City. I really, really, really like it. It's right up my alley. There's something special about it. I listen to it a lot, a lot. It's um, something that you could put on in the background while you're, you're cooking, cleaning, uh, you're having a dinner party. Uh, there's something very, very uh, ethereal about it and uh, an extremely enjoyable listen. Number 10, not original, but uh, I had to include it. It's something that caught me off guard. I wasn't sure I was going to like it. Uh, Zeal and Ardor. I remember listening to the first album, and uh, I was like, there's something here. It's interesting. But uh, on this one, something really caught me, and I listened to it late in the year. Honestly, I listened to it in early December, and I've had it on loop uh, ever since. There's something about it, the, 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 the vocals, the harmonies, the... Um, interesting textures of um, black metal-esque guitars and the weird screams with all the effects. Uh, I like it. I like it. I'm on the train and uh, I'm looking forward to catching them live one day. So that's it. That's my top 10 of 2018. Uh, coming up today on the podcast is my friend, my sound man, my tour mate, Mega. Mega is a uh, in charge of a studio. It is called Psychosomatic Studios. And uh, he is from Mallorca. And he is the sound man that comes out on tour with us when we're in Europe. And he tours with many other bands. He's toured with Metallion. He's toured with uh, The Agonist, just to name a few. Uh, I met him in 2015. And uh, we hit it off. And uh, we've been touring every time. Every time we go to Europe now, we, we just grab Mega. And it is never a disappointing time. He is always funny. He's got lots of f- funny videos in his phone. For anyone that knows him, they'll know what I'm talking about. And um, so sit back, enjoy a Vox and Hops episode 15 with Mega. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Matt here at the Tannengarten Gasthaus in Munich, Germany, sitting here with my friend Mega, the sound man extraordinaire. <laughs> <laughs> I met Mega on tour. We met, uh, I want to say, in like 2015. 15, Crypt- was it? I think so. Cryptopsy uh, came over here. We were on a tour with uh, Disgorge and Jungle Rot. You're right. Yeah. And uh, that was the first time we had the privilege of working with you. Yeah. So uh, we're about halfway through this tour, the aborted, uh, benighted cryptopsy cytotoxin run in uh, Europe, the Hell Over Europe 2 tour, and uh, it's been amazing. Um, are you having fun? Actually, I am. So this tour is fun because we have a lot of people, 
everyone in the trial party is great, right? No bad moods, no whining kids <laughs> yeah, because that sometimes happens and I just have to take care of you guys and no one else so but babysitting is strictly limited to four and we've been rather well behaved actually you are <laughs> I think it's because you are getting old <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, I've, I've been watching my uh, my spirit consumption uh-huh. and I think it's it's been serving me well <laughs> Well, it's pretty okay, I would say, <laughs> <laughs> according to standards. Yeah, Tam and Elo have, uh, you know, have been good. Have, yeah. been, have, been, have been quiet. Uh, they have been quiet, actually. Yeah, for yeah. everyone at home, I actually haven't mentioned this on the podcast before. Uh, when Cryptopsy tours, uh, whenever we get a bit too intoxicated and we start doing wild things, it's not <laughs> our fault. It becomes our alter ego's fault. Whereas exactly. Matt, me, becomes Tam, Ollie becomes Elo, Elo. Chris becomes Cirque, and Flo becomes Olf. Olf. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be, albeit Olf doesn't show up very often. No, I just saw him. I think I just seen him once in Italy, in a beach. Oh yes, yes, where yes, yes. Tam actually lost his his glasses. That's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Backstory. Oh, yeah. We 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 had played in Italy the night before. We woke up and we went to the beach because we were waiting for the van to get fixed. Yeah, and we couldn't wait in the hotel. Because apparently, during the night, something happened, and <laughs> everyone was mad at us there, so they didn't allow us to stay there anymore. So we went to the beach, and we, you know, had nothing to do, so we drank. Of course. No and eat. No food. No food. <laughs> just drink. And I had the great idea of going swimming with my glasses on. <laughs> yeah, like fucking maybe 20 minutes after. Ugh. Yeah. I was pissed. Yeah, but yeah. I have to say that I didn't drink not even one drop of beer, huh? Because I needed to stay very focused because our van was broken mm-hmm. and it fucked up. And our driver, David, the yeah. Czech robot. Shout out to David, you're the best. Yeah. So he went away with the van and we didn't know if we could make it for the next day show that we were playing with Napalm, Napalm Death. Death. Yeah. yeah. And Lindau. Yeah. So we were waiting there at the beach. In the, in the beach, uh, Chiringuito, we call that in Spain, where you can just drink and eat snacks. And everyone was having fun, and me, I was with the phone all the time. With stressed, stressed. Stressed to see options with my friends in Italy, if we should get another van to go there, or... And we were just drinking. <laughs> yeah. So helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I have proof. We woke up. The next morning, all of us just feeling horrible. There was sand all throughout the van because the van finally got fixed and we made the show. So here we are. We're in Munich at uh, the Tannengarten Gasthouse, a beer garden, and we're drinking a classic beer. We're drinking an Augustiner. Yeah. This one is the soft Augustiner. The um, blonde one, Mm. very soft. You will think it's just dirty water (laughs) because you are used maybe to the dark one or something like that. So it's very sweet, smooth. It's still a good beer. It's good. Very drinkable. Very drinkable. Cheers. Cheers. So Bavarians say this is the best beer you can get in the world. And they say that they don't export this beer outside this area in Bavaria. So this is 
the only place where you can actually drain that. That's good. It's 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 light. It's, it's it feels extremely well balanced. Yeah. yeah, usually it's light because I mean, what's this like half liter? Mm-hmm. So usually that's the smallest thing you can drink here. Usually it's one liter. So this is why it's soft. They were like, they were like, these yes, foreigners can't handle our uh, <laughs> our beers. So tell me about how did you start getting into touring? Because I know you as a sound man, but you're more than that. How how did all of that start? Okay, I guess that the touring thing it all started with a German band actually, with Metallium. That was a German heavy metal band, and I guess it was in 2003, I think, where they came to Mallorca to do a show. And I was working at a venue there in Mallorca where I have my studio also there. So they just came there with no sun guy, no nothing. So we just did the show and I actually recorded that show with my multitrack. And after that, just a week after, I just took, I burned like eight DVDs with the audio files and I just sent that and also stereo mix of the show to the to this band just to have it so I can just delete because I don't keep stuff like that you know uh, I'm not a fan of bootleg things and all that but I do a show I record it I give it to the band and then forget it so after a week I got a call from the um, from the bass player thanking me for the recordings and everything and uh, they were very happy to have that Actually, they were uh, planning to shoot their second DVD, and they asked me if I could join them for maybe five shows, something like that, so I could record all five shows for the upcoming DVD DVD that was called Metallian Attack Part 2, exactly. So I said, yeah, why not? Let's do it. So I started with these shows in Spain mainland. There were all festivals, actually, in bull squares and something like that. And after after those five shows, they said, okay, we want you to join us for our upcoming dates we have in Europe. So, and that was like back in open air and many shows we had in Northern Europe and all that. How old were you when that was happening? I was 20... Maybe 23. Okay. My first Crazy. back in open air was 22, <laughs> 22, actually. Crazy opportunity. Yeah, it was pretty nice. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was actually my first big festival outside Spain. That was back in open air there, straight. Because you mentioned you're from Mallorca. Mallorca is a tiny island. Yeah, it's very small. Off the coast of Spain. Yeah, in between Spain and Italy. So this is where we are. And it's your island. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my uh, my island, but it is where I live, and I wish it was mine. <laughs> now tell, tell me a little bit about Mallorca and uh, okay. the lifestyle there. And okay, our lifestyle basically is based on tourism and tourism business, because we have a lot of that. I mean, uh, there's a lot of people that say that Mallorca should become <laughs> part of Germany instead of, of Spain because we have a lot of Germans going there. They actually live there most of the year, not just during the summer. But yeah, I mean, back in the 60s, all this crazy touristic boom hit, hit Mallorca. And since then, everything is around tourism business. So, so it's like a very hotels... Business. A lot of hotels, a lot of... Beach. Uh, yeah. Fishing. Uh, exactly. The weather is great. 
uh, it's always hot, but not too much. It never gets cold, so sometimes you have, you are a little bit cold in some in winter, but not extreme things like you guys have in Montreal. Eh? That's it. It's, it's it's really cold at home today. I'm happy to be out here in Munich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it only snows maybe in the peak of the mountains once every fucking four years, something like that. You were born in, in Mallorca? Yeah, I'm born in Mallorca. My parents are both also Mallorcan people. And you say Mallorcan? Mallorcan. Okay. Yeah. And tell, so tell me about your early life growing up, how music became a part of your life. Okay, I remember that when I was a kid, I started playing guitar maybe when I was seven, something like that. Because uh, before, yeah, when I was six or seven, my grandfather, he taught me how to play banjo, actually, mm. six strings banjo, and I was playing with that. And I always were stealing my, my middle brother's guitar. He had a Spanish guitar, and I had that, and I started playing by myself. And yeah, I think it was when I was eight when I got my first Fender white guitar, which I hated because it was white <laughs> I wanted it to be black but my father brought me that one it was white and now oh god I wish I had that guitar right now my Fender Strato it's a classic white. yeah it's a classic and after a few years it wasn't white anymore it was like vanilla color mm -hmm. and like faded yeah and I remember it had these those white dots on the, on the neck and I couldn't stand that so I just with my brothers we had uh, these uh, red plastic uh, stickers and we printed some skulls in there <laughs> like in Kirk Hammett's <laughs> guitar and I still um, we just put all those skulls over the over, over the guitar dots was there music going on in your house all the time yeah I mean my grandfather he was a uh, He was a painter, he was a photographer, and he was a musician, so he, he was an artist. And yeah, I've been always surrounded by music at home. I mean, all my family, they are mostly photographers and videographers. Um, but my grandfather, he was the only one that was also a musician. So yeah, I think that this is why since when I was young, I, I just felt it and I just started studying music by myself. So, and then I went to a school for, for learning how to solfeo, we call that. Uh, it's learning how musical to write theory. music. Musical theory. Yeah. yeah, musical theory, reading music, playing guitar, playing piano. Yeah, and then I got into the conservatory of music and did all my career, classical guitar. Do you still play classical guitar at home? I studied classical guitar at But home. But at this point, do you still at play it? No, no. It's been, right now it's been like three years since my last uh, serious uh, studying of classical guitar because I used to play in an orchestra. Really? Yeah, until, I, I would say it's two or three years back where it dissolved. But yeah, um, when I finished the Conservatory of Music, I joined that classical uh, music orchestra, and we were 16 guitar players. Wow. Only Spanish guitar, only classical guitar, and yeah, our director, he adapted some, some classical pieces to guitars, and that was our orchestra. Wow. Yeah. yeah. We did shows in Spain, of course, and we toured in Sweden, actually. Yeah, wow. we did like an interchange and we went to Sweden and played a few shows there. That's good. That's super cool. <laughs> yeah. And since then, 
sometimes I play a bit, but as I work also in the studio, so I have to do a lot of takes there. Yeah. For many musicians that they come over, they play, okay, this is wrong, this could be better, blah, 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 blah. And after a while, you repeat, repeat, repeat. And by the end, it's like, okay, give me that shit. And I just. And then you play it. <laughs> and then I just track it. When, when did the studio start? Okay, my studio thing started. I was very young, actually. I was 15, okay. And I was. Uh, Of course, before, even before, because when I was a kid, maybe I was like 12 or 13, when I got my first dance, we played death metal, green core, and death metal, yeah, all that. But all my bandmates were like 18 year old and 20, so I was the, the kid. But I had a guitar and I had an amp. <laughs> yeah, and you can play, I'm sure. And I could play, yeah. So... I started growing up with uh, with grown-up people, okay? Teenagers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. me. I was pre-teenager. And then I remember we were tracking our demos with uh, an old stereo I had with a built-in microphone. And I just placed that in the room. An That's old stereo. Old stereo, yeah. And I remember that... Uh, at some point, we decided to record a CD or, well, it was actually three tracks. We went to this fancy studio in Mallorca and they charged us a lot of money, like crazy amount of money to do three songs. We did that. And I remember when we listened for the first time to the mix and it was so horrible. <laughs> so bad that the guitar player I uh, I mean I remember the other guy he just took it from his CD player because he was the only one with a CD player at home <laughs> and he took it and he just threw it through the wall ah. it was very very bad so after all that my money. thinking was that okay if these fucking guys have done this shit with all the equipment me with my stereo cassette I do it better <laughs> So I started buying all those adapters where you could plug like two jack into one. Yes, yes. So because that stereo thing had one mini jack input for a microphone. <laughs> so I ended up buying maybe like seven or eight and plug split, like split, split, five split. or six microphones in there. And I was running my vocals because I used to play guitar and, and scream at the, and sing at the same time. Through, through the same amp because we didn't have like a, <laughs> like a stereo okay. equipment or something like that. So I was running through my Yamaha amp, my guitar completely overdriven with the Boss Hyper Metal 3 pedal, and my voice was, was already inside the amp itself <laughs> with distortion and everything. It was pretty crazy. Huh? And then I was hanging up and laying microphones on the floor. And this is how I started recording my, my own demos when I was like fucking 14. But then when I became 16, actually, I did my first uh, recording for someone that was not me and being paid for making that. At 16? At 16. Wow. Yeah. Before I recorded some friends, bands, just to have fun with a four track, Yamaha. You, you moved up from the stereo to a four yeah, track. to a four track. But then... Uh, when I was 16, my father worked uh, somewhere. Uh, we got these jobs for recording old people's uh, uh, choirs. Like, you know, when... Like in a church these, choir? Uh, yeah, but they are not church choirs. These old people choir. So we, when, he, when we have these third age people, 
that they just uh, have these associations where they hang out and yeah yeah, yeah, like, do, like, uh, yeah? so some of them have also uh, a choir activities and they sing so uh, we decided it was a great idea to just go there and play some microphones and record them like okay here's your CD for your grandsons and just just for free for fun yeah exactly that's nice So my father got me my first eight-track digital recorder, a Roland one, which I still have. Okay, and when I got that, just straight away I went to these friends and these guys. There was this guy that he was studying with me at college, where he played guitar and sang, and he asked me to to record a demo for him. Say, yeah, why not? Let's do it. So that was my first paid job to do to do recording. But then I started recording all my friends' bands, everyone there in my town. I had this analog desk from my father. He used at a TV station, and I had old analog desk. So I plugged all the microphones in there, and I recorded in stereo. And yeah, this is how I started. Wow, yeah. Yeah, a long time ago. You became that guy, right? I became that guy. The, everyone, the Mallorcan. Everyone wanted to be friends of mine because of that. <laughs> to get the deal. <laughs> exactly. You mentioned uh, that you were always the, the baby of the band. Yeah. How did that affect you? Do you remember the first time you started drinking alcohol? Or because you're from the Mediterranean island, is you know, you, you tend to drink earlier? No, actually, all my friends used to drink a lot, but not me. For some reason, I was just not into that. I mean, all my friends were having parties, and they were hanging out and all that, and I I was the weirdo who stayed, maybe, I, I was out with them, hanging out, playing this mini football game and yeah. all that. But while they were drinking and all that, I was saving money to buy shit. Like, okay. to buy... Okay. Well, you had the studio, you had the gear. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, okay, they may drink, like, eight beers or two whiskeys. I keep that money, and maybe in four months, I can get a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> smart, smart thinking. Yeah. yeah, or that amp, that pedal, that guitar, whatever. Do you remember your first experience with alcohol, though? Mm. Beer, and specifically. With beer? Actually not. But I guess it would be like in a really advanced age. I would say like maybe 17, 18, where I, got, I first got... I remember the first time I tried beer. I didn't like it. I think, wow, that's bitter. That, that's, that's just not me. I prefer sodas. I drink <laughs> Coke and I drink uh, uh, Sprite and all that. That was my thing. But not beer. But then I found out good beer so that's different what what would be that beer that changed what would be you that beer uh, i would say uh one beer called das helle from germany das helle that one is the one that said okay now i understand that cheap beer is what made me don't uh, don't like that but right now when i found like good craft beer or or something it, it, It is like red wine, for example. Everyone says, oh, you don't like red wine. You're a weirdo. You're Mediterranean. You should drink red wine. It's like, yeah, but I don't drink cheap red wine. Mm -hmm. So when There's I get like good yeah. wine, I love it. But cheap one, it just gives me stomach acid. <laughs> 
Is there a craft beer scene in Mallorca? Yeah, actually, it's been growing a lot for the latest eight years, maybe eight, ten years. But yeah, we have we have quite a few there. Who would be the top contender for me? Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, the best one that I like the most is one called Sollerica, and it's made in Sawyer. That's a that's a small town. Uh, near to the coast in, in I would say, northwest or southwest. No, northwest. northwest. Um, and for me, that's the best one. But we have other ones like Galilea, Tramontana, and other ones that are quite okay. But for me, the best one is that one. So and what type of beers are they making? They do red beer. Also, blonde, dark beer, IPAs, also quite okay. It's not uh, like a big deal like you guys have in Montreal that you have a lot of different stuff there. It's crazy. When I was there, Danny took me to to some of the of the places he uses to go to go and watch uh, sports and all that mm-hmm. and drink beer, and it was crazy. Yeah, yeah it we have a very strong. Uh It's crazy. Craft beer scene up in Montreal. Uh, you mentioned Danny. Danny's uh, Danny from The Agonist. Exactly. Uh, big shout out to him, a previous alumni of Vox and Hop. <laughs> so I uh, will get back to him with the... <laughs> Danny actually sent me a request that you better interview Mega for the podcast. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's see what I can say and what I cannot. Uh, you know uh, Danny because you also... Do sound and tour manage uh, the, the agonist? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Seems But we have 2014, not 2014, I think. Yeah, we have not had the opportunity of crossing paths yet on tour. No. Yeah. Wow, that would be pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, obviously, the two together don't fit, so it has to be at a festival or something. But uh, well, let's see. I'm super into it. Yeah. <laughs> that would be nice. Oh, yeah. Hanging out yeah. with all both bands there can be pretty crazy. What What is the difference between? You know, the studio work and the touring, mm-hmm. is there one that you prefer or more or less? Actually, no, there's not one that I prefer more to the other one. Maybe a studio work is is great because I get to stay more at home because mm-hmm. I have my lovely wife. And when I'm on tour, I have to spend too much, uh, too many time away from her. So... You know it. You also have a family, mm-hmm. and you know how these things are. So, this might be the reason why I would prefer doing more uh, studio work. Throughout the time of touring, were you ever at a point where you were like a road dog, where you took any tour because it was an opportunity, or have you always been selective? Because I feel now you're more selective with your tour choices. Right now, I'm very selective, uh, unless there's something like huge coming out. I would just select first. Uh, Uh, what I check is who is this band I I have a request to tour with, who are they, do I know them, blah, 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 blah. But mostly is that since the past 10 years I toured that much, that right now I only choose to tour with the really ones I like. Like, not money-wise, but uh, friendship-wise. Yeah, I feel privileged. Thank you, Megan. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> the ones you have to babysit the least... Yeah. Is that a part of it? Probably, yeah. um, I think it's a combination of everything. You know, it's not just babysitting the least or something like that. It's also how you get along with these people, how you connect, mm-hmm. right? Also, um, 
is how do you enjoy the scene which they are actually I, for example I tour with pop bands too yeah <laughs> but I have this pop band from Mallorca also called uh, Casa Rusa and I toured a lot with them and they love me and I love them so this is one of those bands I will never say no for example mm -hmm. because I really like it but of course I'm a metalhead so metal is is always my preference of choice when having to tour with someone. But right now, I had other petitions. For example, uh, when we are doing this Creed Topsy tour, I had to say no to other two tours that were actually with really good bands, I won't mention. But I just say, no, why? I have to give away my chance to tour again with my friends in Creed Topsy to tour with some others that might pay me more, but I don't know them. Yeah, we'll, we'll laugh way more than them. With yeah, them, I'm exactly. sure. Yeah. And this is worthless. The memories you get on tour. Oh yeah, yeah. Me Meg is a, a big adamant filmer. <laughs> he captures <laughs> moments. Right now on this tour, there's this thing that's going on, which uh, was brought by Andrew Garrity, which I interviewed previously, <laughs> and uh, I didn't ask him about it, but I should have. It is he's been doing lady fights. Can lady you fights. let's descri describe what a lady fight is? Okay, what is a lady fight? So suddenly two guys get naked, <laughs> like completely naked. They put their parts, they dicks, just hiding behind his legs, like you know, like, like Silence of the Lambs. Suddenly, yeah, Silence of the Lambs style. Yeah. So suddenly you look like a lady. And they fight each other, and the goal is to spread the legs of the other guy <laughs> and let the weenie out, right? Is that it? Perfectly described. <laughs> so so this has been happening on this tour. Yeah. There's been two challenges. We have a new king. Now we have a new king, our German Terminator. Yeah, all hail uh, Grimo. Yeah, Grimo from Cytotoxin. Yeah, I, I think he might stay the king. He's a pretty good, big dude. Yeah, he's a pretty big, huh? So that happened last night, actually, or two nights two ago. Two nights ago. Two nights yeah. ago. So, yeah. He, I mean, he spent some days saying to Garrity, to Garrity yeah, yeah. like, okay, you hold the crown because I'm going to take it from you <laughs> when I want. <laughs> so suddenly, two nights ago, it happened. In again. the bus. In the bus. While we're moving. <laughs> While we were moving. <laughs> Everything was so fast and it happened. That was a, a colossal fight. It went on for quite a bit, a while. Yeah. Well, I have it all recorded here. In I, my I know you do. Yeah. <laughs> Mega likes to keep memories, and well, yeah. we can call them memories or bribe, uh, blackmail, yeah. fuel. I have a lot of those. <laughs> I have a lot of those hidden in my hard drive somewhere. <laughs> Is that a threat? <laughs> no, it's not. But you know, I have stuff for DVD from Italy stuff. too. Huh? Yes, the beach day, yes. Yeah, so I had to review that because you thought that some dude stole your glasses. You remember there was yes, a, yes. this dude selling yes, uh, yes. stuff? <laughs> so I checked out my recordings and like, look, glasses, here you have glasses. your glasses and you're running away towards the beach. Then you come back, there's no glasses uh, anymore. <laughs> I was so pissed. So disappointed in myself. <laughs> yeah. Also, Ilo lost his wallet and in the That's middle true. of the street, and he walked away. And thank God, I stopped just for fucking five seconds to take out my GoPro to film us because we were like the you. Walking Dead. Yeah, exactly. That was that was. Uh, you were four, uh, four of you guys were walking there completely like you really looked like zombies, <laughs> <there>. <laughs> drunk topsy <laughs> on the road. 
So I just stopped so I could get my GoPro from the from my backpack. And then when I started filming you guys, I see something like falling down there in the street. And you just keep walking, walking, walking. <laughs> and maybe fucking 15 or 20 meters. Eh? And then I go there and I found out that was Elos, <laughs> the, the wallet with the money and all his uh, personal cards, personal credit cards, cards, everything. Everything. So I kept it. I think I kept that for two days, actually. Really? <laughs> yeah. He didn't realize after two days after that he lost his, his wallet. Wow. And I had it. <laughs> We'll be good on this tour. We're being good. We're halfway through. Yeah. It's, it's uh, the second tour with Nightliner where actually we can have some rest yes. and enjoy because yes. the van tours, yeah, we have rooms in hostels or hotels or creepy places. <laughs> What's the creepiest one? Uh, I think the creepiest one, we didn't get to stay there. I think that was in Denmark. You remember that was that commune? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great story that we can talk about, too. Yeah. Alborg, Denmark. Alborg. We played in this tiny little bar. They were like, no problem. You can sleep upstairs. You have a room. We go upstairs, and it's just a pile of mattresses. Yeah. And like a bunk bed in the corner. And, (laughs) you know, Flo, myself, we were like, no, we're not staying here. No. It was like a, a squat, sort of, which... Yeah, you it know, was weird. If it we're 20 weird, years right? old, maybe we'd do it at this point. So we start looking for hotels. Yeah, well, we drove we, after No, 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 no. But we, we walked around. We found a hotel right around the corner. But there was too many kids there. It was like a kiddie party, oh, like a teenage exactly. kid party. Yeah, and we were yeah, like, yeah. no, no, we need to sleep because we have a day off. We can actually sleep in tomorrow. And we have a short drive. So we wanted to get a good night's sleep in a hotel because... Yeah. <laughs> For everyone, if you don't know, when you're in a van tour and you get hotels, you just lie down for like two, three hours at the yeah. most sometimes and you got to go because you got a big drive. So we know we're not going to do that. We're looking on the internet. We find this manor. <laughs> oh, yeah. We booked that manor. We booked this manor internet. room because we were going to treat ourselves. Yeah. It was like a Baroque, <laughs> a Baroque manor. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah. We show up there at 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. We had already booked via the internet. And, and we already uh, told them that we were getting uh, in late. late. Yes. Yeah, approximate like one thirty two a.m. We show and up there. We're all excited. Yeah. Because it's beautiful. <laughs> get to the front door and it's shut locked locked <laughs> we walk around locked everywhere was, was locked everywhere was locked there was no one and we were there like bla- slamming doors <laughs> we were so screaming pissed. we were so pissed finally we get back in the van you're like searching searching trying yeah, to find there was just nothing. nothing 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 so we go we keep driving finally we stop at a gas station and you and i were just like super <laughs> tired <laughs> upset so disappointed we climb into bed with our little blankets because there's beds in in the van but it's it's nice to have like a a A proper a proper bed on our day a day off that we could actually sleep in (laughs) and we close the door and we're lying down and then all of a sudden people come back and open the door and go they have rooms here (laughs) they have rooms (laughs) yeah that motel was actually nice it was actually nice that was actually closed the reception was closed. Everything that was shut down. Yeah. But the guy from the gas station, he said, oh, yeah, we have rooms here and we can just rent you some rooms. 
That was like a jackpot. It was yeah. great. I slept great. Yeah. I felt yeah. rejuvenated and we kept going. <laughs> and that was like three or four a.m. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. It was yeah. pretty late. Our poor, hopes were just gone. Our poor driver. <laughs> poor David. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he David so kept hard. like, yeah. he was, he's a robot, dude. Yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah. He has a psychic or Tom Tom Nav in his brain <laughs> and he just keeps driving, 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 driving. Yeah. He had some crazy drives on that. On that run. Yeah. Some crazy tribes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always fun, though. Yeah, yeah. The gigs are always worth it. Yeah. Yeah. This tour has been crazy. Like, the amount of sold-out shows is... This one is great. I would the say package it's... is good. Mm-hmm. Everyone is so nice. Yeah. And everything goes, runs smooth. Yeah. So that's great. We've been Some having time fun. to actually enjoy being with everyone else. Mm-hmm. Not caring too much about... The drama. The drama and production things, TMing things, okay? I can just give a hand if I'm asked to, but that's it. Pretty easy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back to your studio. You, you tend to record bands like all over different genres. Yeah, mostly rock and metal, but I do other genres too. I do indie music. I do also like... How do you call these artists? They do like the this singer, kind of singer songwriters. Singer songwriters. Yeah. yeah, I do all that too. But you're you're more close to metal. Of course, rock. this is what I say before. When you are, I think you are born a metalhead. Actually, do you remember the first time you started listening to metal music? Yeah, yeah. I was in the car with my dad. Yeah. yeah How yeah. old were you? From the beginning, I'm sure. My my dad was a huge, uh, you know, like pop metalhead you know metallica the black album here's the thing i don't remember ever listening to anything else rather than metal music and who introduced you to metal i guess my brothers because since i was a kid i grew up with iron maiden metallica mm, all that yeah my brothers just kept me fucking playing all that halloween and meatloaf my dad loved meatloaf yeah the bad out of hell yeah Oh, I have that one in vinyl, too. Yeah, yeah. I know. And, yeah, I even remember my brother playing Master of Puppets for me in a cassette. Or also my both my brothers came out with the Black Album when it just came out. And Were they disappointed or did they enjoy it? No, they enjoyed it a lot. I, like, I still like that album, I know. So when I was a kid, I had to go to bed early, you know, because I'm a kid. But my brother, my older brother, he got to stood up to study at night, you know. But he was recording with a VHS that, uh, tape. He was recording the MTV Headbangers Ball show. Ah. And Bibi Zambahead also yes. when I was a kid. So, and that was Friday night. So Saturday, Saturday morning when I woke up, I had all my Headbangers Ball and Bibi Zambahead there ready to watch. That's... <laughs> You're lucky. That's it's pretty sick. Yeah, and I remember when Pantera came out because uh, in 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 Spain everything got very late. Of course, it was released yeah. in. It's not like now. Now we have internet, but before, forget about that. You'd have to like wait till like a European distributor catches on that it's exactly, cool and exactly. selling, and then, and yeah. we lived in the fucking island, mm-hmm. so we were even later. And I remember when my brother came with, dude, you have to listen to this new band. It's so great. And and he brought me the Pantera Far Beyond Driven. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That was a big hit. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. Wow, yeah. what's that? That's too noisy. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he screaming? Why is he screaming? No, that was good. By that time, I 
I was pr pretty extreme. Huh? I was listening to Cannibal Corpse already. I got a lot into grindcore. You know what my first CD I ever bought was? That was Scum from Napalm Death. Really? Yeah. yeah. What's and that? I didn't have a CD player, actually, at home. You just had it. I just had it. <laughs> But then my brother got a, a car, and he had a CD player in his car. So you would get to go so sit I in the car. So I had to go sit in the car and play Napalm Death Scum. <laughs> 36 songs, I think, that one has. Like that. All the way, loud. All wow. by myself, alone in the car, <laughs> hearing noise. <laughs> That's weird, huh? Well, where does the name Mega come from? Okay. It comes since so I, uh, when I was a kid, I played in a football team, okay? After school, we used to go and three days a week, we, do, we used to practice. European football. European soccer. Soccer. We call yeah. that soccer, okay. So while practice days, I was, was wearing this T-shirt from Megadeth. Megadeth t-shirt and some ba some guys from the team he, they didn't know my name and it's like hey you Megadeth hey you Megadeth uh, pass me that ball blah 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 Megadeth Megadeth Mega and okay. this yeah. is where it all began I remember when I was a kid uh, receiving calls at home <laughs> because no cell phones were of course, actually yeah. there it's just like land phones when you remembered everyone's phone number back in the day too yeah so everyone was just calling at my home my mom maybe took the, the call and everyone was like hey is Mega there? and my mother was like who's Mega? <laughs> who the hell is Mega? there's no Mega here <laughs> hanging out But then the, that's it. There's a lot of people that doesn't know my real name, actually. They just know me uh, like Mega. When I, when I search it. you on Facebook, I always type in Mega, and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Mikel. Mikel Angel. Yeah. Miguel Angel. Like yeah. Michelangelo. Ma yeah, exactly. Really? Okay. Actually, yeah. Uh, See, my so grandfather came up with that name. Okay. Because, you know, I was kind of an, the unexpected kid. Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. The, And all my family names were already taken. Like James, my older yeah. brother, and and John, my second brother. And they decided they were not going to have any more kids. So they put him two names, John and Miquel. So my brother is uh, Juan Miguel, John, okay. John Michael. And then I came out, <laughs> like penalty. So much, much later. Much later. Well, five, five years. Okay. So, and they were, oh, what do we call him? Blah, blah, blah. So my grandfather said, oh, we call him Michelangelo, like the painter. Because mm -hmm. my grandfather, he's an, he was a, yeah. he's an artist. So I was named like fucking Ninja Turtles because, yeah. of the, because of the artist, Michelangelo. I love the Ninja Turtles growing up. Yeah, me too. I can me remember too. watching that first episode. Yeah. Clearly in my mind, I still have this memory. Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. yeah. Loved it. Loved I it. love those cartoons. I, 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 I used to watch in the morning, Saturday morning, that was a guy with a, with a horse called Brave Star. Okay. Brave Star. Then Transformers. Yes. Of course. And then we got um, Ninja Turtles. And in the evening, we had Arale. Arale, uh, Dr. Slump. Slump Doctor, nope, a Japanese no cartoon, very good, and Dragon Ball. Okay. From Sengai, from Akira Toriyama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so that was it. That <laughs> was my evening plan. 
<laughs> Dragon Ball and Arale and... <laughs> Football in the day. Yes. <laughs> that was it. Let's do a little segment of the Mega Sounds. Mega Sound. Yeah. Here, Mega is a, a, a fond um, displayer of uh, various sound effects. Okay. Where, where did this... <laughs> You remember my sound check? No, 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 no. You're like, you're like, and you're like, (laughs) okay. The sound effects guy. Yeah. When did this start? Um, I can't even remember where something you always did. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's something weird I have in my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's give a display to the listeners. So so like what? You drop something. uh, Okay. No, that's too easy. <laughs> so, yeah, actually, I don't know where that started, but I think it's because I started like doing live shows pretty young at young age. So, while setting up the systems, everyone was cranking up loud music you knew or something like that, echoing that. So, I started doing that too, of course. But I really couldn't make any difference in a sound system just with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, it helps you having a balance and all that. But then when I was running like real sounds through microphones in the room, the room was just having his own personality and his own life. So I started grabbing the microphone and doing my own sounds to tune the room and exercise that room. I call that <laughs> yeah, exercising it. Yeah. So I make weird sounds like <laughs> I hit the microphone like this for subs. So, and I see how the room responds and I EQ that and it, it works. It always works. That's proof fail. That's just experience though, through yeah. experience and through the years. Yeah, and for setting up the, the, the effects, and here's where it comes, is that... I needed to do the reverb for for drums, usually snare and toms. So I started doing the snare sound, like <laughs> the snare sound. Eh? So I grab my microphone and start doing like over the FOH, eh? <laughs> and I start adjusting the, um, the the effects there. So I get the tail on the reverb. Like, <laughs> And then you start joking with that. It's like, okay, what about a little bit more overtones? Is it going to be that? (laughs) (laughs) So suddenly after just a few shows on the road, everyone in the tour party is is contagious. Uh, Everyone has that. And you can see people walking around doing stupid sounds like (laughs) all the way. All musicians do that. We still do it. We grabbed it. We still do it. We do it when you're not around. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. Uh, What are some of the biggest challenges being a tour manager, Mm -hmm. being a sound man, the worst things that you've had to deal with? Okay, worst things... I would say uh, to stop fights hmm. in between bands or some members of the travel party. That's always sad, you yeah. know. It just creates like this negative atmosphere throughout everything. Yeah, exactly. So there's this confrontation that maybe these guys had even before the tour happened. <laughs> but then you face that because when you are on tour, everything gets like maximized. <laughs> Because you're living so close. Because you're proximity. living so close. There's no space in the bus. There's no intimacy anywhere. That's right. And suddenly something that's very small can become a big deal. Mm. And they can fight for whatever stupid reason. It actually are usually stupid reasons. 
And when thing got into like a real fight with hands and all that, that's not fun. No, Because no. What you're gonna do is like, okay, you, you are a kid. You should not do that. Yeah. And to the other guy, is like, okay, man, you are too old to be fighting a kid. <laughs> so what Girl the fuck up. is going on? Wake up. Yeah, wake up. So I think that dealing with these kind of arguments on tour, this is this is the um, the most difficult because of course you then get some people that's more complaining about things like oh i want my sodas i don't have my sodas uh where's my beer uh i want a shower where's my shower i want a runner because i want to go buy some shit somewhere mm -hmm. okay not everyone can be divas <laughs> no 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 uh, the day that guy sells 15,000 tickets by himself then he can be a diva. then you can do that i remember one tour We did. We did negotiate with that. I worked on the pre-production of that tour, maybe three months or four months in advance. Wow! Like they were asking a lot of ton of shit, like things like I want to have a gym every single day of the tour available just for me and with, with these nobody other else. band members and nobody else. I need that. That's, that's I need to work out every day because we are workaholics and we need to work out and we need to have a gym. And if it's not in the same facilities, we need a runner to, to drive us to a gym just for us. And wait for us and drive us back. Yes. Did, and, did you succeed? Uh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm a germophobic and I need to have these uh, celluloid uh, gloves every single day. And nobody can watch, n n nobody can talk to me in the bus. I need to uh, lock and please make the bus company build a door to lock the all, all the back lounge just for me because I don't sleep in a bunk. I sleep in the couch. Wow. So that's my private space. And I want a bathroom there too. But the bus had to install a bathroom for them? <laughs> the bus installed a bathroom for them? No, no, wait. We were having a lot of trouble with that. And, and then... They said, oh, no, 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 we want one full nightliner just for me and this and my personal guy. And everyone else should be in another bus. We don't share bus. Were they selling no. enough no. to make this? No, no. They were asking for tons of shit. And you know what? It's like, I think it was like one week before the tour actually happened. They canceled. Ugh. With some stupid reason like, oh, because uh, you are not fulfilling our requests, so we decided not to make it, blah, 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 blah. And they had to cancel. Wow. So thank God. I mean, all the other bands had already had already the, the, the plane tickets. Yes, yes, the merch, board, everything. The merch, all, all the promo was done. All, all that, that work you had done. Yeah. So thank God the other band said, no, no, we're going to do it. We are here anyway, so we just play more. And just enjoy. I have an idea who this is, and I'll, yeah, confirm, I, I'll confirm it afterwards. You can't say it, obviously. Yeah, but I, 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 I have an idea. Don't I have, have to say names. But I, I have an idea, and I will confirm it after. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was a fun tour. <laughs> When you're at home, uh, I know this because you've told me about it. Uh, you also work at a doing events at a hotel because Mallorca well, has that, the tourist. Yeah, uh, that was right now. Two years ago, last year I didn't do oh, that. Okay. Yeah, two okay. years ago I worked in a big hotel facility where they have a 7,500 capacity 
uh, outdoor stage. venue. Yeah, that's yeah. insane. That's, yeah, that's insane, with, the, right? with the best DJs in the world playing there. Some of the people who've come three days a week: David Guetta, Skrillex, Steve Aoki. All those like number one DJs in the in the world. Does, does Steve Aoki uh, party as much as he seems to? Yeah, yeah, it's actually, insane, yeah. Yeah. it's insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most of these guys, I mean, it's, it's just one guy, you know, one DJ. But yeah. they come maybe with fifteen or twenty friends, <laughs> flying in a private know. jet. Yeah, craziest yeah. shit you've seen. Crazy that you can say. Well, I think it's not. I mean, it is known that all these people, they, I mean, in my my opinion is that they can be great producers, they can make great songs, but what's actual live playing? No, come on. This is just a USB and a playlist already pre-made and it's just playing all the way. Wait a minute. You're saying this happens for real, real? It happens for real. I can tell you that. Uh. They have a DJ set that's worth maybe 6,000 euros. <laughs> They're lying there in the table with the latest Pioneer, Nexus 2 uh, mixer, and four, uh, four CDJs that are the CD players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where so they, they can don't mix. actually play CDs yeah, yeah. because everything is linked and they just play a USB. So they load the tracks via USB to everywhere. And they pretend. And they pretend. Well, they pretend. They they maybe take out the lows. They bring out the mids. Okay. Maybe some, like the most adventure DJ, they can add some effects. They're like, <laughs> okay, now I'm going to do the delay, delay, delay. <laughs> Shit like that. And it's fun. And it's fun. But you know what's the real show? The, the real show is not sound because, okay, that was my setup. I had a fucking great desk there, whatever you want. Like expensive st- stuff. But I had like fucking two stereo channels linked really? <laughs> there was my stereo channel <laughs> from his desk and I had another stereo channel with a spare setup just in case something wrong wow, happens okay so you're not doing and then I have four wireless microphones in case the one they take it's not working so they have mm-hmm. three more to, to choose and then a wired microphone too so just in case that's just in case and for that I have a 30,000 euro console there <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is that Lights. We have a lot of lights. Uh, laser. Also, we have a lot of pyro. Like oh, yeah. Flaminiacs and all that. We even have fireworks. Like really? crazy fireworks. Yeah. And, and, and people pay for these shows or is it just like a thing that the hotel yeah, offers? Yeah, there's an entrance uh, or where you go to stay in that hotel. Maybe you pay a little bit more and you get like a free access to yeah. to yeah. the shows. Or And some of the shows you need to pay something. But it's really cheap for what it is. Maybe they have to pay 30 euros. Something yeah, like. yeah, it's a huge show. Yeah, and it's a huge show. And yeah, I mean, um, technical, uh, the, the technical as- aspects of that is pretty amazing because you have the state-of-the-art latest technology there. You have all these crazy lights. You have al- also video mapping with LED screens all over the stage with a 30 meters screen back there. The, the booth, everything. So that's perfect. Do they have bands or is it always just dance? Sometimes they, they, they do bands. Who's the biggest? I don't know. It's usually these MTV bands or rappers that go there. Okay. Like okay. Tiny Tempa. <laughs> Tiny Tempa, yeah. I no know. idea. <laughs> because it's from MTV UK probably. Okay. And yeah, usually it's like some biggest pop artists that go there. But 
90% of the time it's just DJ, DJing. And that's fun. You see how it how it's how is that world? So how someone gets paid like ninety thousand euros for a ninety minute set wow. of USB playlist playing? Wow, that's yeah. it. We're in the wrong business. We are, I totally agree. <laughs> Financially, I totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we have lots of fun. Yeah, we have lots of fun. Yeah, I mean, once you have seen what's behind the curtain with all these guys you say are they more happy than we are they're not lady fighting that's for sure oh. <laughs> <laughs> if they want to challenge the king they can yeah <laughs> that would be nice <laughs> david Guetta versus grimo yeah you know what for example david Guetta, this guy yeah he comes he just plays back some usb playlist he has but i have to say this guy has his own songs mm -hmm. he mm -hmm. produced his own songs, so There's that. But 75% of the other DJs, they just play other people's stuff. Yeah. So once you've been working there like with fucking three or four DJs a week, and you start hearing the same song, same song, same song, same song, every time with different guys. So what's the point? Right? And the reason you didn't do it last year is because you were touring too much, the studio was rolling, or you just chose... Yeah, I just it. chose to stay there. I had this friend that he was—he was the uh, in charge of the of the technical team for that, and he just asked me. It was very well paid. I said, "Okay, I'm going to spend the uh, the last summer there and see what's going on." But for example, last year I had already too many touring options. Mm -hmm. We had you busy all summer, though. Yeah, so yeah. I just preferred go again on tour and with what really makes me happy rather than staying and there with the DJs and make money yeah. Yeah. suffering on the road with us yes well <laughs> it's always funny afterwards <laughs> maybe not afterwards. the glasses thing I still don't, I'm still not too impressed with myself about the glasses <laughs> Cheers, Mega. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Um, love the stories. Uh, you're very interesting. Yeah, very much talented. more stories we haven't told. Eh? <laughs> we'll keep it going after I stop. Yeah. <laughs> Because what happens on the road must stay on the stay road. Stay on the road. Yeah. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks, Cheers. Guys. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for listening to Meg. I love these stories. Uh, listening back, uh, almost cringing about my stupid glasses story in Italy. But, you know, whatever. You live, you learn, you grow up, hopefully. Um, always fun. I, I just... Meg is just so great. Uh, love being with him. He's such a pleasure to be around. Uh, the little bar that we were in, in Munich, uh, the, the beer garden was just uh, such a nice place. The beer was good. It was fresh. Uh, It was a, just an excellently drinkable Pilsner, the Heller from Augustiner. Everyone's probably drank it, but uh, I, I just really enjoyed it. Uh, it's, it's nothing compared to the craft beer scene that we have here. It's, it's extremely different. Uh, the mindset is different. It's, it's just a pure, delicious, drinkable beer. Next up on the podcast, I have uh, the third interview that I did on the Hell Over Europe tour last November. 
And this time around is with Jason Melodonian from Cytotoxin. We're going to hear about how he grew up in a small town in Germany, how he started playing guitar, how he got into bands, how he discovered technical death metal really late in his life, and uh, how he uh, ended up being in Cytotoxin. So uh, check that all out on Vox and Hops episode number 16. As usual, if you want to become a, a sponsor for Vox and Hops, if you have any questions, if you have any guests you think that I should uh, interview, if you want to hook me up with some brewers that want to hook up uh, Vox and Hops with some tasty brews, um, hit me up at matt at voxandhops.com. All the best. Enjoy your weekend, and I'll see you next week. Cheers. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talk to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.